Hello, Monetization Nation. Today, I am joined by Bob Tedi. Bob is an expert at questions. He's an expert at asking great questions and teaching other people how to do that. Uh, Bob has been on the staff of Crew for 50 years. He has a blog, leadingwithquestions.com. Bob is also the author of four very popular books, including Now That is a Great Question, uh, 339 Questions Jesus Asked, Great Leaders Ask Questions, and the little book of Big Leading with Questions Quotes. So if you can't tell, there is a theme here. He is very passionate about the topic of questions. And I am excited that uh, we get to dive deep into the topic of how to ask great questions today. Thanks for joining us on this episode, Bob. Nathan, wow, what an introduction. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so will you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? Oh, Nathan, I, you know, it's obvious. I'm super passionate about helping leaders move from leading by telling to leading with questions. And, and I always share, people think, well, Bob, you've written four books. You, you have a blog called Leading with Questions. This must just come naturally to you. No, the truth is what comes naturally to me, I sometimes share this, I'm a charter member of TA. And people say, TA, I don't think I've heard of that. Well, I wouldn't suspect they had. I said, well, maybe you've heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, TA is Tellers Anonymous. Uh, I'm a charter member. I go to my meetings and we stand up and I say, my name is Bob. I'm a teller. And of course, uh, Nathan, that's fictitious. But after I speak, there's usually a lot of folks that come up and tell me they're also charter members. Yeah. And, and I share this Guilty. bit of confession because I, I want listeners to know that leading with questions didn't come naturally to me. But in 2006, I found a book by Dr. Michael Marquardt. The title of that book is now the name of my blog, but Leading with Questions. That book was a page turner. And, and as I read it, he shared so many examples, illustrations of how leaders who lead with questions would be three to five to 10 times more effective than leaders who led by telling. And the truth is, prior to reading that book, my only paradigm of leadership is that a leader needed to tell staff what to do. I sometimes say I was a benevolent teller in that I would have used please and thank you. But nevertheless, my paradigm was that if you're gonna lead, you have to tell people what to do. And when I read his book for the first time, it was like, wow, why hasn't anyone ever shared this with me that the leader who leads by asking is actually way more effective? So Nathan, no surprise. That's what I'm passionate about. How did you become an expert at asking great questions? Nathan, I, I'm, I'm still trying. I'm still trying. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so, you know, I don't want to label myself as an expert. I, I want to label myself as one who's aspiring to learn to lead with questions. Uh, you know, Nathan, you didn't share this when you introduced me, but I, I frequently share it. I'm a farm boy from South Dakota and uh, I, I'm simple. 
And, and for things to work for me, they have to be simple. I, I like low hanging fruit. And one of the things I love about leading with questions is that so many of the best questions are so simple. They're not complicated, long, run-on sentences of questions. You know, sometimes you see a reporter asking somebody a question and you realize they just gave a speech. The, yeah. the person being interviewed sometimes says, is there a question there? And uh, well, if you think that's what you have to do to lead with questions, then it's then it's like, you know, that's for somebody who's brilliant, not for me. Uh, and, and whenever I'm, I'm speaking, Nathan, I, I many times do this. I say, who here would like to learn to lead with questions in 30 seconds? Almost every hand goes up. So Nathan, I'm looking at this vast audience and I'm choosing you. Would you like to learn to lead today? Absolutely. In 30 seconds? Definitely. Now, the reason I, I set this up is again, I, a lot of people, as I speak, I, I sense they aspire or they would like to learn to lead with questions, but they imagine they'll have to get a master's degree in questionology. You know, kind of, again, a nice idea, but probably won't happen. So they're amazed when I say, well, I can actually help you learn to lead with questions in 30 seconds. And Nathan, all you're going to have to do is to memorize my four favorite questions. And I sense, Nathan, that, that you, you have uh, a photographic memory. So all you're going to have to do is to hear my four favorite questions one time, and you'll have them memorized. Are you hey, ready? Absolutely. Well, let's look at the clock. Just see if we can get this done in 30 okay, seconds. I'm going to time you here. Okay. Here we go. First question, what do you think? Second, what else? Third, what else? Fourth, what else? Nathan, do you have them memorized? Yes. Share them with us. What do you think? What else? What else? What else? How's the time? Tw uh, 16 seconds. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, some of the listeners are probably just a little bit skeptical thinking, Bob and Nathan, you can't ask somebody, what do you think? What else? What else? What else? And I say, well, of course not. Not in that rapid fashion. But uh, there'd be some issue on the table, some an opportunity you're wanting to take advantage of. And so you turn to uh, a staff member and you say, you know, John, what do you think we might do to take advantage of this opportunity? And then you listen. And when John pauses, perhaps thinking he's done, you say, wow, this is good. What else? And invariably, John will give you more. And when he pauses again, you might say, John, I'm taking notes. Please say more about this. What else? And, and John will say more. And I've discovered that you actually get to their gold nugget, their very best thought with your third and fourth question. Nathan, I think there's some things we all do instinctively. When somebody says, hey, Nathan, what do you think about? you likely instinctively, the first answer you roll out is kind of a safe answer. You kind of roll it out to see how they're treating it. And Nathan, if I asked you, hey, what do you think about, you know, some topic and you answer and I said, oh, that's stupid. Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd be sorry you answered at all. You're not going to give me anything else. But when I say, wow, say more about that. What else? Yeah. So you're thinking, wow, Bob appreciates what I shared and you'll share more. 
And in looking back, I realized that even when I did ask, what do you think? Many times, as soon as they gave that initial answer, I might have said, well, thanks, and I moved on. I didn't realize it was the third and fourth question that got to the gold nugget. And, and again, looking back, I was kind of like that proverbial gold miner who'd mined and mined and mined and then quit. And then somebody later discovered he was within six inches of the gold vein, close, but you know, no gold. And uh, so again, going back, Nathan, really, if, if someone who is a leader who only leads by telling, just using these four questions in their next meeting one-on-one -on -one, or, or the next time they have their team gathered around the conference table and they lean forward and say, gang, you know, here's the opportunity or here's the challenge. What do you all think we might do? And then they listen and, and when somebody answers, they say, wow, that's good. We say more, what, what else? They will have moved and will be on their way to leading with questions. And, and it's as simple as that. Let me tell you some of the key takeaways that I've had from what you've told me so far. Okay. So number one, you've talked about the importance of keeping it simple. Um, it shouldn't be a long question that you shouldn't ask three or four questions in the same you know, question statement. Keep it simple, keep it one sentence, keep it you know, one question. Second point you talked about is not leading them a certain direction, leaving them very open so you can get their true feedback and not telling them what the answer should be. feels like something a politician would do. Um, we, should, we should try to get their true response with open questions instead of leading questions. And then third, we should ask a series of just simple follow-up questions encouraging them uh, to give us some more information. And you allude a little bit there to silence as well. When they hit a point of silence, how do, how do you think we should use silence in the question and answering process? Research shows that on average, and again, we do this just kind of instinctively, we're, we're not thinking uh, about it, but research shows that uh, on average, when a person asks a question, they only wait two or three seconds for an answer. And if the other person doesn't answer within two or three seconds, we are so bothered by that silence that we have to fill it. So again, instinctively, we give only that short amount of time, they don't answer. So we either re-ask the question ask a different question, answer the question ourselves, or just move on. And again, the curious thing is with no self-awareness of what we've just done. Yeah. And so uh, can I share a little listening tip that I've learned? Absolutely. Um, I, I call it the eight second rule. Now, when you think of eight seconds, is, is there any sport that, uh, that comes to mind? Uh, my mom likes to watch uh, bull riding, and I know yes. there's an eight-second thing in bull riding. Yeah. Now, people are wondering, what, what does bull riding have to do with listening? Well, it's the eight-second rule. And, and uh, I'm sure, you know, if your mom was, was here and we could ask her, uh, she would, uh, you know, I'd say, how many, what percentage of the professional bull riders stay on the bull for eight seconds? 
And, and she'd probably say, well, you know, I think it's probably like, you know, 20 or 25%. In other words, 75, 80% of the bull riders are off in less than eight seconds. Of the professionals, the yeah, leaders in the yeah. world. <laughs> There's not Nathan and Bob riding a bull for the first yep. time. <laughs> These are the professional bull riders. And so in other words, eight seconds to a bull rider is like an eternity. Yeah. Just like it is when we ask a question. And so what I've learned to do is ask the question and then relax, keep comfortable eyesight, not, not intense, just come <laughs> relax and count to yourself. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Nathan, there are times I've gotten to 1,030. The longer the silence, the better their answer. Now, of course, you know, if I was, in your home or office and said, hey, Nathan, which way to the restroom? Well, you're gonna answer that almost instantly. But Nathan, if I said, Nathan, I'm curious, what would you say has been one of your greatest failures? But the lessons you learned from that failure have led to some great success. If you've never been asked that question before, how likely is it that you could start talking in two or three seconds? Yeah, that's right. You need some time for processing. Yeah. And if I'll give you that time to process, I'll be the beneficiary of some great wisdom. But if at two or three seconds I interrupt to re-ask the question, ask a different question, it's probably unlikely that I'll ever actually hear the wisdom if I just wait it. Yeah. So to me, the great listening tip is uh, be the bull rider who stays on the bull for eight seconds. Ride that silence for eight seconds. Just count in your head before you interrupt. What other ideas do you have for us on how to ask great questions? Well, Nathan, might you be curious to know the four questions that uh, one consultant who shared with me that he makes a handsome six-figure income and he shared that he, he really only asked four questions. Might you be curious to know those four questions? No, I don't like making money. <laughs> okay, we can move <laughs> Yes, <on>. please, sure. <laughs> um, and in this case, it was a he. And, and he said, he said, Bob, I'm not a subject matter expert. He said, I can consult with the head of an airline company one day, the head of a, you know, like a uh, a medical uh, hospital organization the, the second day, uh, head of a software company the third day. He said, I really ask the same questions. They don't call me in because I have subject matter expertise. And he said, uh, I really just asked four questions. And I said, well, I'd love to hear them. He said, I'd be happy to share them. I said, can I write them down? He said, I hope you will. And so uh, here they are. The first question is, what's going well. The second one is what's not. The third one is where are you stuck? And the fourth one is what needs to change? Now he went on to say, Bob, back to question one, what's going well? He said, if I'm consulting with somebody for a whole day that I've never consulted with before, he said, I'll spend almost the entire morning on question one, what's going well? 
And he said, no, I have a few follow-up, a few more. What else is what else is? And, and uh, how'd you figure that out? And then, you know, where did that idea come? And how did you develop that? But it's all about celebrating their success. And he said, but let me tell you why that first question is so important. He said, if I walked in at eight in the morning and said, what's not going well? Like, you know, we don't have time to talk about all the things going well. You obviously brought me in for a problem. So what's not going well? He said, the truth is no one wants to get naked at 8 a.m. and confess, yes, we're a bunch of losers here. And he said, if I started with question two, I actually wouldn't get a completely truthful, honest answer. Because again, nobody wants to confess, yeah, we're a bunch of losers. So he said, I start with what's going well. And, and uh, as they continually answer that question, they begin to think that I'm thinking that they're the most brilliant leader I've ever consulted with. And so when we get to question two, and I say, well, what's not going well? Well, at this point now, I get a really truthful answer because they don't feel like they're confessing we're a bunch of losers. It's more like, you know, in spite of all the runs batted in, <laughs> Yeah, we do from time to time have some outs. We do have some strikeouts and they actually tell you what they are. Yeah. And then as he said, I don't even solve their problem. Hmm. You know, where are you stuck? What needs to change? And they solve their problem. Well, a couple of years ago, I was on Tom Ziegler's podcast. Tom is the son of, of Zig Ziegler and, and uh, has taken over. Zig has uh, been in heaven for a couple of years now. And uh, I was sharing these four questions. And when I got done, Tom said, well, Bob, I'm a bit of a brain science nerd. Can I tell you why question one is so important? And Nathan, I said, Tom, it's your podcast. You can say whatever <laughs> you want. He said, well, when the brain is processing positive thoughts, positive endorphins are firing. He said, that's a perfect place in which to solve problems. He said, if a leader starts with what's not going well and the staff are feeling like he thinks, she thinks we're a bunch of losers, negative endorphins are firing. He said, that's not a good spot in which to solve problems. And, and Nathan, you know, when I looked at all of this, I realized again, so many times in the past, it's like, hey, we're busy. We got a problem to solve. We don't have time to sit around and talk about all the good things. We got a problem to solve. And, and I didn't realize that by immediately jumping to the problem, I was likely making the staff feel like they were losers. And, and we actually didn't have the kind of productive result that we could have had. It's, one, it's that old saying, sometimes slower is faster taking the time to celebrate success and then going to the problems seems slower, but it may actually lead you faster to a great result. Why would it be really important for entrepreneurs to be great at asking questions? One is just with your staff, let's go there first. And then second, let's talk about your prospects and clients. Because an entrepreneur is actually going to be managing both, managing their staff and, you know, managing those uh, marketing sales relationships. Well, I many times ask this silly question, if you were in a rowboat with your whole team and there were oars for everyone 
and you want to get to the other side of the lake as quick as possible, how many of them would you like to have row with you? Might yeah. it be all of them? Well, of course. And then I say, but now you're seated at the conference table with your whole team. Why would you want to be the only one with the oar in the water, only accessing your brain power to figure out the best way across the lake? And, you know, in this case, best way to take advantage of the opportunity or do whatever's on the table. Why would you not want to lean forward and say, gang, what do you think? And of course, some what else's and what else's. And then second, you're listening and Nathan just shares an idea. And as a leader, you're thinking, wow. That's better than any idea I have. And so you lean forward and say, Nathan, love that idea. Would you be willing to lead our whole team in executing on your idea? So by leading with questions, I'm now, as the entrepreneur, I'm hearing better ideas than just mine. Now, I'm still the leader. If I ask that question and I don't hear any ideas better than mine, I still can go with mine. But when I'm listening and I say, wow, Nathan, that's a better idea. And then knowing that it's Nathan's idea and he owns that idea in a way that if I say, no, Nathan, I don't want to do that. I want you to do it my way. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking I pay your salary and you're thinking, yeah, Bob writes the paycheck. But you're also thinking, I don't really think that's a great idea. <laughs> You know, contrast how hard you'll work to implement. Well, we all work harder when somebody says, yeah, let's go with your idea. Okay, wow, now I'm on the spot to make that thing work. And so it's, it's in that that the entrepreneur is now getting the horsepower of his or her whole team. What are the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs might make in asking questions? You know, when we're the leader, we think, we can make the mistake of thinking, but I know more than anybody in the room. I know more than anyone at the table. Uh, you know, I founded this thing. I, I've, I've, I came up with this idea. And, uh, and we elevate our own thinking to, uh, to thinking that there's nothing I can learn. And, and that's a big mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that has been said about when people are asked, you know, tell me about the best leader you've ever had. Almost always one of the qualities they'll refer to is that she or he was a great listener. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, not listening, not uh, mining for the great ideas, not taking time to ask the team, hey, what do you think? And what else? What else? And, and when you ask, waiting uh, giving them those eight seconds, uh, not asking, you know, the what else, as I said, I, even when I asked, what do you think? I didn't realize that the real gold nugget was asking what else and what else and what else yeah. uh, kind of thing. And then again, I shared at the beginning, I being a charter member of TA, I, I just have to confess at times, Nathan, if I'm not being focused, if I, you know, lose self-awareness, I still can be too much of a teller. And, uh, and in building relationships and, and uh, you know, the leader that continually asks and listens. Thank you so much, Bob, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, 
I love how that Navy captain improved the morale of his ship by meeting with each of the sailors on his ship, asking three questions, listening, and then giving them credit as he implemented the solutions. As we step into new leadership roles, we can do the same thing and start by listening. Number two, when we as leaders ask good questions and listen to the people we work with, they will know we care about them and their insights, and it'll be much easier to gain their buy-in. Number three, if we only ask, what do you think once, we're like gold miners who give up inches before striking gold. If we ask them for more, we can often find greater solutions and insights. Number four, allow for awkward silence when we're listening. The longer the silence, often the better the answer. Number five, when the brain is processing positive thoughts, positive endorphins are firing. That's the perfect place to solve problems. Number six, we don't want our brain to be the only one working on solving something. We need our whole team to find the best solutions. Number seven, we have to be humble to listen and accept when someone has a better idea than us. To learn more about or connect with Bob, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. You can visit his website at leadingwithquestions.com or get his books for free at leadingwithquestions.com resources. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in becoming a better leader. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.